0: If you truly want time freedom, hiring is the only way to do that. Delegating is the only way to make that happen. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we
1: showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I am joined by some familiar faces. I've got Alex Schlinsky and Brian Downard from Prospecting On Demand back on the show to chat Mm -hmm. with everybody. Thank you guys for coming back. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here, brother. It's always good to have you guys. You guys are the masters of sales and scaling. And I feel like it's always just, it just like rains nuggets every time we bring <laughs> you guys on.
0: Oh, We're better than so chicken am today,
1: today, we're not talking about sales, though. We're talking about a little further along in the process, which is basically scaling and your team. And this I'm excited to talk to you guys about because this is something that, No agency entrepreneurs prepared for, right? You start off, you you, you maybe you're good at ads, you're good at building websites, whatever it is. You start getting some clients, you're like, boom, I'm making 10K a month, I'm quitting my job, and I'm going full time on my agency. And then, like, the next client shows up and you're like, Oh man, I don't know if I can handle six clients by myself. (laughs) And you quickly start to realize that it's time I start looking for help. And that is just a whole nother world, right? I mean. Hiring people is like a curveball that I feel like no one is prepared for until you've done it a few times. Talk to me about this. How do you guys help people when it comes to hiring?
2: I'll, I'll I'll start. I would say you need two things. You need the right people and you need the right processes. So if you are hiring right now and you're looking at like, is this person not working? Could they be doing better? Maybe they're not doing their job as well as they could. Or how do I make sure they're doing their job as well as they can? It would be making sure you have not only the right person, but the right process in place for them to be access, uh, be successful. We learned this the hard way in our own business when we're hiring some appointment setters and sort of hoping that the soft skill overcompensates for the need to have clearer processes and realize that's just not going to be the case. We needed to arm them to be more successful. So before I kick it over to Alex, and just in terms of the theme of hiring and the thought process behind it, I brought up something on a coaching call just a few minutes ago with our clients, and it's If you fail at doing this the first, second, third time, do not stop. This is a requirement to scale. Just because you didn't get it right the first time, it's okay. You can redo this. A lot of people I've seen do it once or twice, get discouraged. Like, well, I guess I'll just go back to doing it all myself. That is a broken mentality, Get challenge yourself to get better. Don't just throw your hands up and give up, but you need the right people and right processes. That's and sometimes it takes point. going through the shit, doing it wrong to figure out what you need to get it right. So that's what I'll say on the front end. So let me reiterate what you just said, because I think that's an
1: important point. When you When you start thinking about hiring, it's not just finding a great person, it's two things, a person and an SOP, right? A playbook that you're going to hand them and say, hey, here is your new position. Like step-by-step, step, here's yes. what you're going to be doing. And that is you know, something that I don't think a lot of people are
0: prepared for. Alex, would you say you shouldn't hire someone unless you have an SOP ready for them? I think it depends completely on, there's two different types of hires that you can consider. The A player that's going to cost more, has significantly more experience and can build the system based on their prior experience, or someone that's kind of in between You don't want to ever really hire a brand new, a neophyte at anything to expect any sort of positive result especially in your beginning of your hiring process um, but someone kind of mid-tier that's already had a bit of experience but in no way would be an expert at what they do having already documented processes and SOPs, systems and operations of hey this is what i need you to do every single day who you report to what our kpis are what the goals are how to ask questions where to take action on this etc. and so on when they do those things specifically uh, you can help them by giving them an appropriate roadmap One of the rules that we have in prospecting on demand uh, for our own team and for our clients that we recommend is never blame people over process. It's super easy to place blame on, oh, Chelsea didn't do this thing, but what did we not provide to Chelsea in order to be able to achieve that? And one of the easiest ways that people mistake the process of hiring is not first understanding what the company as a whole should look like, which I'm gonna share my screen here if, if I can, Chase, and show you guys an organization chart. I wanna preface something before I open this up with two specific things. One, uh, Brian and I are big believers of Gino Wickman's uh, Traction, which is a great book about organizational structure. If you've never read it, strongly recommend it. It's a terribly written book, meaning it's super boring to read, but <laughs> it's really, really valuable content. Unfortunately, it just it's not, it's not the greatest book to read, to be fair. But there is one thing to note uh, as we go through this, This is what conventional wisdom would say, meaning like this is a conventional business model growth, the value of running an agency utilizing go high level building SaaS products doing these unique things that you do, and frankly, a relatively new digital age over the last you know, three decades or so is that you can be unconventional, right? You can be a CEO that takes sales calls or a CMO that also does project management because it's your choice. The one thing you can't do is do things that you don't want to do and bitch about them. That means (laughs) you're not hiring the right people. So that is a really important qualifier that I tell everyone I work with. It's your business. Choose what you want to do. You don't have to just build the company in the same way that someone else has. Build it the way you want to in your own image. And I think that's really key. So here's the organization chart. At the top, again, very conventionally, you'll see the CEO. CEO on the far right side, you'll see is the KPI is revenue growth month after month. That's essentially the CEO's main job. The visionary is what a lot of people call it. The person that's head of strategy, head of the company, head of making sure ideal partnerships are made, head of the idea of speaking and doing podcasts like the one we're doing right now, for example. Head of hiring, Mm -hmm. head of culture. You might see the shirt, the hat I'm wearing and the shirt Brian is wearing. It's a very important element to prospecting on demand. The other two C-level executives that we commonly see, of course, are the marketing officer and the COO. Most people that are in the high-level group, most agencies that are under like $50,000 a month, I would say, and even ones above that, but most under 50 k are really wearing hats for each of these, right? They yeah. are, you know, managing at the CEO level, uh, you know, head of company and hiring. They're also doing some appointment setting and sales, probably, uh, and they're also making sure the backend operations are working and their team is managing things and etc. When you break down the COO role on the right side, these are really valuable things that you can build in long term as you grow. And we're going to actually show you in just a second with a different. Uh, image that Brian's going to show you, this path to 84,000 of where to hire and when. But one of the biggest obstacles people have is handing off operations because they're so uh, intently involved with their client communication and making sure things run and making the company run like a director of operations we have a COO named Jennifer, and she's the glue of our company. Without her, we'd be a total mess. Uh, Chase, this last week on Friday, she wasn't able to come because her uh, son was graduating um, college and Well, our team meeting was just a disaster because Jennifer wasn't there (laughs) to make sure that it would be staying on track. So with that being said, having an operations of of making sure that the management, the systems, the the team organization, everything is, is ordered in functioning is really valuable. Making sure you have a separate person that operates the client service. So separating team organization and operational structure and separating client service is absolutely critical. Now, it doesn't have to be one client service manager and then under them are account managers. That's your decision on how you organize it, but you have to have someone that does account management or project management or director of client service. All of these are kind of similar semantical terms that people use. Account executive is another one that people use. And then on the far left, you have the CMO this is the one that most people want to talk about. It's the sexy thing that most people want, which is what I usually talk about and we've done in spotlight sessions before, talking about sales, right? And basically anyone that's achieved the 10K mark understands how to do sales. Anyone that's achieved the 25K mark has likely figured out how to hand off sales in some way, but there are a certain percentage of people that have this magical touch of getting to 25 or 40K still doing all the sales and the appointment setting themselves. And soon enough, if that is you, Mr. Person at 40K, 50K, doing all the sales and appointment setting yourself, you're going to burn out or you're going to not retain your clients long enough because you're making promises that you cannot keep. The best first hire for most companies in that eight, to 15K range is going to be an appointment setter, someone that is a lead gen driving applications, whether that's managing your ad account to ensure that they're gonna follow up with leads or they're doing outreach on Facebook, on Instagram, et cetera. There's this amazing tool, don't know if you've heard of it, it's called High Level. They have a dialer in there that allows you to call people, that records the calls for you, that allows you to text them. It's a great tool, I don't know if you've heard of it, but you should check it out. Um, The other element here is of course, Sales. A lot of people hand off sales last because they're very in tune and desirable, like want to actually own that process, which I respect. Obviously, I love doing sales a lot. Um, But if you don't, at the very least, hand off the appointment setting side and you do both sales and lead gen, you're going to never become the CEO. You're going to always maintain some level of being the CMO. And if that's what you want to do, bravo to you. But most people want time and financial freedom. So I'll leave you with this as I close out the slide. Really important. Do not make every single decision in your business and in your life based solely on the financial ramifications. If you truly want time freedom, hiring is the only way to do that. Delegating is the only way to make that happen. So let me ask you guys, and this is why we love to bring in
1: coaches um, from our community, because it's just, everyone who's ever hired a coach or a mentor just says, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago, right? And I think uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you guys have this, these scripts, hiring scripts and, and SOP templates ready for people because the challenge is, if you're young, like thinking back to the agency that I grew uh, with Matt Coffey, you know, he was the CEO. He brought me in as, you know, number two. And then I basically put on the CEO hat, built like processes SOPs, and then we hired somebody and handed it off. And then I went and built the next, you know, department and handed it off. And But I made a million mistakes because I'd never been the, you know, CMO of a company. I had never been the CEO of a, of a marketing agency before. So like, I understand that route of hiring somebody who's going to come in and build the SOPs. But I feel like the smarter route is to... <laughs> hire you guys or somebody who can basically give you SOPs and then you can hire not a super high end head of it, but like you said, an appointment setter, right? Like appointment setter is not going to cost you a fortune, right? A marketing coordinator is not going to cost you a fortune, but if you don't have a pretty solid playbook for them to execute, that's also a recipe for disaster. (laughs)
0: I'll also note that the cost of hiring the appointment setter is actually much more grave when you don't hire them. And I think a lot of people make decisions more so out of fear of loss than prospect of gain. And I've learned that a lot. So the idea is the more time that you spend not hiring an appointment setter, the worse off you'll be. You mentioned like SOPs that we have. I'll show two things really briefly for you guys um, that will help you specifically for COL roles, responsibilities, requirements, and, and such. Like, this model will give you an insight, and you could pause the video obviously to read whatever you like on here and please feel free to copy and paste it. I, I really don't care, I want you to be able to utilize it. Um, but what Chase is talking about in terms of investing in mentorship to cut the learning curve. Obviously, that's what we do in prospecting on demand because we've worked with you know almost 2,000 agencies at this point and have a lot of shared experience and frankly, so many mistakes that the innumerous pile only forces you tend up finding what the real uh, truth yeah. and best answer is. But when you clarify very briefly, like a role uh, overview responsibilities, tasks that are associated with the role, then results, meaning KPIs, expected accomplishments each month or quarter for that role, requirements, compensation, and then just a simple acknowledgement, certainly not a legal document by any means, but just acknowledgement, signed acknowledgement. You can do this for every single role that you have. This is one version. This is the higher template that we use in POD. A lot of people prefer a job scorecard template, which is in a Excel document. It's not as easy to see Um, I I mean, I think it should be fine here. Um, And this is another version, the one we were just talking about, VA prospecting, like an appointment setter. So someone that's going to be a virtual assistant, a community manager. If you have a Facebook group, getting leads from there. Connections on LinkedIn is their KPI. Group messages via LinkedIn. Friend requests on Facebook. Calls that they're going to make. How much time (laughs) they're spending. What their roles are. What their key role is. We're
2: going pretty fast. I'm sorry to cut you off, Alex. I want to make sure we we answer Chase's question. which But I wanna give this the due time it deserves. This is very important. We're kind of jumping through here. But I think, you know, a simple answer Chase is, and it's it's such an easy cliche saying, like you don't know what you don't know. My dad would always tell me that and it didn't make sense until I actually got into this game. And I was like, oh shit, once you see something and you realize, That's what I needed, or I should have been doing, but you didn't know it. That's not your fault, but you need to put yourself in a place to discover those things. So the first time I realized what a job scorecard was, what we're looking at here and how it relates to an organization chart, I was like, that makes perfect sense. That's brilliant. We should be doing it. But I had never heard of it until that point. So I would say a thousand percent, if you are in a place where you want to learn some things you just don't know or have the template 95% of the way done for you, seek out mentorship who can help you. Um, before yeah. we go too deep, I'm sorry. honestly,
1: before you move on, I like, if you're a young age entrepreneur, I was going to go say you should budget for mentorship. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like you can save yourself so much time and money and, you know, again, prospecting on demand. These are great, <clears throat> um, members of our community, but we bring on tons, go through the spotlight sessions. There's lots of great, um, coaches and guides that can help you find the one that's right for you, but budget for it. Because like, I can personally tell you, you know, it took us two or three years longer than it should have to become a million dollar agency. Like Mm. in retrospect, we, we, we should have gotten there in two years, honestly. But again, I was building out these departments having never done it before. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's just, I think it's worth its weight worth it's and gold. They're, so, they're lucky sorry, to have sorry. someone
2: like you with the diverse skill sets enough to build that out. Because a lot of times it's on the agency owner themselves or an individual hire to get that done. So I think it's good to know not everyone's going to have a chase in their corner right away. Yeah, well, it's kind of true. One of a kind, guys. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's
1: true. Let's, go. Um, let's switch gears here. I would love to talk about hiring because hiring... Again, this is something that I have flubbed hard in my career here. Um, you know, For me, it was like, especially the first couple of times, find somebody like a VA you know, using online jobs PH or something, found a great profile. All right, let's schedule a Zoom call, ask some questions off the top of my head, <laughs> hang up, be like, oh man, shoot, I, I didn't even ask them about that. Oh, well, let's give them <laughs> a whirl, hire them, And then you said, you guys are right, like a month in or whatever, you're like, this person sucks. And then you fire them, which also sucks. If you've never fired anyone before, you're going to have to get good at that. And that's a skill in itself. And then like, you know, the next year you realize, man, they probably didn't suck at all. We just didn't have an SOP for them. Right. (laughs) And so like, talk to me about the hiring process questions that you have to ask. Like, what do you, is how many touch points do you recommend? Is it how many calls? Is it, you know, making YouTube videos? Do you give them challenges? What do you guys like?
2: Yeah. Do you mind if I take this one for a second, Alex? Cool. I think it it comes back to considering the hire that you need and the higher caliber hires, the experts, the pros are going to cost a bit more. My personal opinion is you find a place that can source them for you and ideally train them. We have found that to find that type of talent on your own can be very difficult. So I would seek out a recruiter who specifically hires appointment setters, hires salespeople, hires project managers. We just did a client uh, success call with Dot & Co who presented for our group and they'd source project managers. We just joined a program that sourced us two appointment centers, just because you're earning a lot of money and you have a million dollar agency doesn't mean you need to do everything in-house or on your own. To me, those types of people should be sourced from a place where you trust the quality of the candidates they're going to bring to you. For the lower level hires though, however, to kind of the point you are, and maybe most people watching this like, oh, but I really need a VA right now. The answer would be on job hiring sites, but how do you find the right type of person? Most important thing for us is attention to detail. And um, how they're actually communicating. So one of the easiest ways to solve for that is in the application process, you put up a little... I'll call them roadblocks or hurdles that they have to accomplish to make it to the next stage, right? One of the easiest examples is we'll ask for their age, but in the job description, bury it, hey, put your age as 38, regardless of how old you are, because we want to see, did the person actually even read the job description? Did they, did they right. have attention to detail? And that immediately will get rid of like 80, 90% of the trash um, of who probably won't be a good fit or will not pay attention. Um, the second thing for me is personality traits. Again, considering the role that you are hiring for, is the person technical if they're a systems person or an ads person? Are they friendly and can talk to people if they're gonna be a client manager? So quality, those types of personality traits are important. Um, I had another one, but I'm sure it'll come back to me in a second. Alex, any other considerations on where you should be looking for hires?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And we'll show you obviously in terms of who you hire and when you hire, we'll show you this slide that we have of the path to 84K in just a second. But in terms of the hiring process itself, like test tasks and question to ask, there's one very specific question I need to ask anyone that I hire. And I tell them bluntly this, like, Chase, I want you to sell me why it would be a mistake not to hire you. I think, mm-hmm. and side note, I think a lot of people, uh, especially in the hiring process, for some reason, they become very modest instead of confident because they're concerned about Confidence versus arrogance. And if anyone's heard me spiel this before, what happens is when you're towing the line of confidence versus arrogance, you're first of all misrepresenting the reality that you don't, doesn't matter what your intention is, Chase or Brian are two different people. One person can say, that was really confident, and the other person can say, that was really arrogant, even though my intention was always to be confident. So coming up with confidence is absolutely key because if you are trying to toe the line of confidence and arrogance, what really happens is you're seeding doubt anyone I speak to that I'm going to hire for prospecting on demand or sky social media. If I don't actually know for a fact that they are confident, there's no chance I can work with them because they're just seeding doubt the whole time. So I tell anyone that I speak to that I want to hire. And I believe you should do this as well, Mr. Agency owner or Mrs. Agency owner. You should also tell them, don't be modest. Sell me why it would be a mistake not to hire you. A lot of people go with the like, Oh, why are you perfect for this job? Answer. Like, okay great like that that's the most standard garbage question I, I want there to be a sales aspect obviously i am a salesperson, so i want to be sold that's what i want to do a, a lot of people also ask like tell me a little about you personally who are you why did you leave your last job what are your goals for the next six months like these are all fine questions but to me what i've identified and tri- and and really trickled down to is if someone can sell you that it would be a mistake not to work with them and here's why pretty much all the other answers, all the other questions you're gonna ask will be answered right then and there. And that's a great starting point. In terms of test tasks, which I wanna bring up as well, um, you brought this up, Chase, which I think is really valuable. Usually what Brian and I like to do, uh, we believe, and not everyone likes to do this and doesn't have the capital to do it, specifically on the lead gen side, for sure, um, and ads manager as well, which is a very common hire for agency owners, um, would be hiring two people, but not telling them they're hired, hiring them on a test task alone. So it's a little bit of competition. So you can identify a lot of people are very impressionable me included, and you kind of get, infatuated with the person that you're speaking to before they've actually taken action on any of the test tasks you've done, only to realize, holy crap, I invested X amount with this person, committed to them for a month, and they don't have the ability. What you do normally is you pay them for an hour of their time, usually from Upwork or Online Jobs PH, you're talking about anywhere from like $5 an hour up to 100 max most of the time if specifically in this format, you're having someone do calling for you, give them five leads that recently came in or they're from the past or whatever, give them a very basic, basic script and tell them, Hey, frame it however you like. What's best for you is good for me. I don't want you to be a robot. I want you to be you, but this is my framework, right? And you guys remember in my sales coaching that I've done for spotlight sessions, scripts are not the answer. Frames are always the answer. So let them call, have them record it and do two people to do that. Pay them the $25 per their hour. You spent 50 bucks, review the calls. Right away, you'll know who's better and who's not. Same thing for ads.
2: That's a great thing you just kind of touched on as well. Depending on the role, have a bake-off, right? If you're looking for an appointment setter or a salesperson, we've learned to hire in twos. So there's something at stake. If they're the only one doing it, and there's nothing to base their success off of or the results that they should compare themselves to, they'll just kind of do the bare minimum in some cases and then just skirt by because they didn't have something to be motivating them. I think the thing that we skipped over and then an obvious one that I look for is, and it's, it's obvious when you say it, but a lot of people still don't, explicit experience in the thing you're actually asking them to do. If you're asking them to do LinkedIn outreach, have they actually done LinkedIn outreach or does their thing just say like, I know how to use Microsoft Word and I've done email before. It's like, no, I'm asking you for this. Have you done it? And if they haven't, you have to have the realistic expectation of what it's going to probably take that person to get to that point. Yeah. Um that would be something to consider. And it's something that's so interesting. Another obvious thing when you say it's like, oh yeah, but it blows my mind how many of our clients still don't do this, is the idea of shadowing with a new person. So once they've actually got onto your team, setting them up for success, not just giving them the ropes or like, or giving them the reins and say, go for it, or hope they, they watch the training videos and they're good, but no, have them watch you do it together. Then you watch them do it together until you trust them to go do it on their own. I think we skipped that. We're just like, oh yeah, they're gonna be fine. And be that's,
0: that's being lazy about the process yeah. in my opinion. I wanna touch on one other specific hire. We spoke about the appointments that are, I wanna talk about the ads hire. A lot of people, especially in the high level group have two different kind of like black or white ideas. Like I outsource fully forever or I'm gonna bring this in house. I want to make my point clear. It doesn't mean I'm right. This is just my strong opinion. I'm of a very strong opinion that you do not outsource forever. Outsourcing is always a band-aid solution because at any point, any outsourced company doesn't owe you crap and they can change their pricing at any point. They can change their niche. They can close their company. They can sell their company. Anything can happen. And suddenly the most important element of your company, which is retaining Clients, retaining them, that's how you make money consistently, suddenly is at risk because you don't know how to provide for them anymore. If you work with a white label company now, what you need to do if you have the finances to do so is hire an ads manager, from Upwork or anywhere else online, Upwork would be my recommendation, that has a 90% success rate, which is a filter you can use on Upwork, and then have them do a test task for you. Have them audit the white label marketing company's ad and give you feedback on what could have been done better. Have them Mm -hmm. audit a campaign that you make that has a clear and obvious error, whether it's bad targeting. For example, if you're working with med spas in Miami Beach, Florida, but the ads targeting is for the United States, Any ads manager worth their weight should, of course, note, hey, huge red flag here. You're running ads to Oregon for a med spa in Miami. This is some of the most important elements. I strongly believe in this, and I want to make sure it's clear. Before we do the ERAM, Brian, which I think is a great thing to bring up, I would love for you to show them the 84K. I do want to go to the slide to go like what they should be considering at each stage.
2: I know we have a limited time here, so I want to make sure we're respectful of that. I think ERAMs are useful. We can cover that, maybe tease it for a future episode, but uh, let's talk about this slide first, is that cool? Yes. Love it, all right. So we did a training um, mastermind recently for the different things you need to have and or be considering at different stages of your agency. Now, $84,000 per month is roughly the million dollar per year run rate. Is that the end all be all? Like you need to achieve that to have some sort of validation or be a good human being? No. This is just the arbitrary number that we know a lot of people are aiming for in their business. If you don't wanna hit that number, it's totally fine. And some of the things that I'm going to share with you here, they're not black and white. They can come sooner, they might need to come later. This is just in general, the pieces of the company you need in your agency, your coaching business, as you scale to these different levels. I'm not gonna read off every single one here. You can pause this, look down the list if you would like. What I'm going to talk about, though, are the people and uh, considerations you should have as hires. Now, one of the first things
1: to think forward and sort of start to plan again, you don't know what you don't know. So this is great to be able to say, oh, wow, I do want to be a, a million dollar agency. So I'm going to have to prepare for all of these things that are, you know, I didn't know were coming down the line. 100%.
2: 100%. So I'll go through some of the quick ones and I'll, I'll explain some of the exceptions here or not hard and fast rules, but they can be a little bit malleable. I've been using that's the second time I use that word today. I like it. I'm going to keep using it. Um, so the first thing we would always consider are, are Think about wanting our clients to do, unless they are a true pro at the thing they're already selling, is to get fulfillment off your plate. It's the easiest way to be stuck a freelancer is if you are doing all the client work yourself. A lot of shit can come up when you are doing the client work yourself. iOS 14, ad accounts get shut down, your ad account gets hacked. There's so many things that could suck your time and take it away from focusing on the business and keep you stuck in the business. Without question, one of the first things we want you to stop doing now, if you are a pro at running Facebook ads or doing SEO or whatever the thing is that you are selling, you can replace this hire with that first hire being someone to help on the fulfillment, someone to follow you, your path, your process and execute that with you and for you um, if you do not want to go the white label route or don't need to. But still, even if you are the Facebook ad pro, doesn't mean you should be running all the Facebook ads for your clients, very important to consider there. Uh, at the 21 to 50k stage, this is right about the time where you like you kind of made the joke earlier, Chase, like, oh, I got to like five clients, but now I'm at six. Can I handle six? This is sort of at that point of people's businesses where now you want to consider bringing on someone to actually manage the day-to-day communications of the clients, report to clients, do client kickoff calls, deal with client issues when there's a problem. Those types of things that, again, keep you, if you're doing them yourself, stuck in the business. That's one of the next hires to consider. Now, hiring an outbound prospecting VA, the reason why we put this here is, my opinion is until you validate an outbound prospecting system on your own, it shouldn't be something you are so ready and willing to hand off. People love to hate on prospecting, even though that is the single thing that will generate them opportunities for their business. So I want them to truly own this in the initial stages. Now, here's a little bit of the exception, the gray area, depending on how much money um, you need for your own income, what the business needs to run, you may be able to invest in ads sooner their ads are on this list as well, right Hey, your inbound advertising. This can come a little sooner and replace your need for you to personally do outbound prospecting. So my opinion is when you're in a place where you can afford to invest in ads, that should be the same time you invest in a VA to take over prospecting for you. So you're no longer doing that day-to-day outreach, but that VA is following a proven process that got you to that 20K. So you now both have inbound And outbound, but you're not having to have your hands in that. Again, this could come sooner. If you're like outbound prospecting just works like crazy in my niche, like maybe you're in blue-collar space, hire this VA sooner to help you get more of that done. I'd say this is the biggest exception or asterisk here in the bunch of them.
0: I'd like to touch on this for one second Please. as well. The, the The key here is a lot of people I believe don't uh, have the belief that they can get to $20,000 recurring revenue themselves and you really overcomplicate it. Yeah, it's very challenging to get to $20,000 yourself if you're selling a $500 SaaS product and then $1,000 marketing service. If you have a product that is 2,000, 2,500 or $3,500 a month, just your network alone probably has $50,000 that you're not considering. Will it for sure be recurring? Definitely not. That's not a guarantee by any means. Will you definitely hit 20K? Absolutely not. These are not rigid parameters. These are the baseline parameters we provided. You might be able by yourself to get to $8,000 recurring revenue and realize at that point, that's when you want to hire the prospecting VA. You also might be able to get to $25,000 by yourself in your network with your own prospecting, run ads, and then hire an outbound prospecting VA. It's not a rigid parameter. It's just a self-belief that we have that a lot of agencies don't actually have of how much available opportunity there is in front of you if you are just willing to take the action. That's a key.
2: Thank you. And I know we're getting closer to the end here. So I'll just wrap this up. Once you start to get into the higher levels where you're about a half a million dollars a year, you're wanting to get to that million dollar mark, I'd say without question, hiring someone in-house to help with your marketing itself. So running the ads, running the prospecting team, working with the appointment setters, ensuring you are having leads coming through the door consistently, something you want to not be responsible of long-term. I would also say an in-house systems person. There's a lot of just it's crazy like how many systems we have on the back end that I don't even understand. And I feel like a lot of agencies pigeonhole themselves thinking they need to understand it when you don't. You can make the hire to build out the automations, to communicate with clients, leads, et cetera, on the back end. You do not need to be a systems wizard. And then additional hires for retention. So depending on the type of business you have, if it's coaching, maybe you hire on more coaches. If it's ads work, maybe you need people, more people to run ads or more callers for your ISA team. So different options here, but as you bring on more clients, just making sure you have the team to support that um yeah and i
1: would also add i mean once you get to those higher amounts like you said you're you're, you're not going after vas anymore you're going after people from other agencies right the good people you're gonna to have to pull away from a, an agency that they're already in and when you find people like that oftentimes they can wear more than one hat right you could say hey i need you to come in and do these two roles until we hit this revenue number and then we're gonna hire under you for one of them. You can make all that kind of stuff happen, of but the point is you have to get to like that middle column before you can really start attracting talent and, and pulling talent like that out
2: of other agencies. I would say good talent can work part-time also. We've got an incredible team of a lot of people who are part-time who I would think, like you saw that person else, like oh wow, like why would they work part-time? Why would they do that for me? If you've got a good team, a good business and a good vision for them and they wanna be a part of it, you can acquire and keep top talent without having to necessarily be full-time. But I know, Chase, there's a lot of things you've got going on. So I want to be respectful and try and wrap this up. I hope this is I know this is a today. shame, guys. We I, It sucks that we have a time crunch. Because no, this I is good. Like Always love people wanting more.
1: I, exactly. We're going to have to to book another one because I would love to talk to you guys more about um, using, uh, what's the word I'm blanking on it? Headhunters, basically. Um, mm-hmm. That in itself is a whole experience that I feel like most young age agency entrepreneurs haven't gone through i feel like i'd love to hear your opinions on like what to expect and what to be prepared for if you're you're hiring somebody to find you candidates all that kind of stuff but hey they can go to you guys if they have these questions right where should they head if people are interested in getting access in my opinion what's what i'd be most interested in is getting access to the sops getting access to the hiring scripts all that kind of stuff that you guys have helped so many agencies with already
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to share the SOPs we uh, brought up today with you guys, and a couple more for hiring. Just join our Facebook group, The Seven Figure Culture. Uh, We'll drop the link for you in the spotlight session as well. It's a pretty easy place to find. We're like the only group on Facebook that has seven figure in the name, so like you shouldn't find any (laughs) others. That's a joke because there's like probably two thousand, but we're Seven Figure Culture. You'll find us if you want to find us in prospecting on demand prospectingondemand.com. Pretty simple. Brian and I are pretty responsive on Facebook as well. And we're always in the high level group posting. So feel free to uh, ping us if you need us. Awesome
1: guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate thanks, you. Appreciate it. Well, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon, but okay. thanks everybody for watching. We will see you guys in the next one.